welcome. Thanks for being here on Instagram Live. This is episode one of our new podcast, a Conversation with David and Lisa, which is us right mm-hmm. here. I'm David. This is Lisa. Yep. <laughs> and uh, today's episode is going to be uh, introducing Lisa Lunsford. We thought it would be cool to just kind of like give our story so that when we, when we go further in the podcast, we'll be able to just like not have to say the whole story. Go into all of the, the nitty gritty every single time. Yeah. Because yeah. it's kind of a pain in the ass sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> so, so welcome. We're doing this thing. We're really excited about it. We're sad, excited to share our lives in this way. And uh, we've just been having a blast in our trials. So we're like, yeah. let's do this thing. Yeah, it's been super fun just like showing up and showing up to a conversation, kind of rolling with it, not really having anything prepared. Right. We Each time we kind of think, well, maybe we'll like sit together beforehand and kind of map out the way the conversation will go. And yeah. we haven't done it yet. No, it so. doesn't work out. It doesn't work I out. I think we just like kind of like stream of consciousness, whatever comes up, yeah. comes up. Yeah, it's a little it bit more fun that way. Yeah. I'm supposed to be napping Viv. I probably can't stay long. Happy to see you, though. So people are on Instagram Live while we record these. So you can put your comments in. You can ask questions live, and we'll try to hit everything. Um, so you're part of the conversation. That's why we called it a conversation. It's not only us. <laughs> it's you, too. So let's get going. Okay, sounds good. Lisa Lunsford. Yeah. It's a big deal to be Lisa. <laughs> yeah, it's a big deal. <laughs> Quite the life to live in that body, like, yeah. weird you showed up. I know. It's a, it's a lot inside of here. Yeah. Yeah. For, yeah. for a long time, I didn't think it was very much. And, you know, the more you get to know yourself, the more you get to see that there is a ton inside yeah. of these little bodies. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've enjoyed getting to know you more and more. I, we've been married, uh, tomorrow's actually our anniversary, and we've been married for 18 years. It's like a fucking long time mm-hmm. we got married when we were like 20 years old so uh the lisa i met and the lisa i know now um so much more depth so much more um i mean experience really it's probably brought it with you um and this lisa didn't know how to come out of this body at that time yeah that young it was mm-hmm. it was kind of both of us just reacting to life but now we get to settle into it a little bit more so yeah. it's fun to know you thank you yeah <laughs> So tell me about you. Tell me, uh, maybe we start right at the beginning. Like, where okay. where are you from? Um, maybe a little bit about your childhood. Okay, that sounds good. Um, so I was born in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Um, so I'm from the South. I was actually born at an Army base in Fort Bragg. My dad was in the Army. He had met my mom, who's from South Korea, while he was enlisted in the army and overseas, hmm. brought her over. It's a very romantic story. At the beginning, it's very, like, just yeah. like what you would imagine in a book, yeah. you know, or a movie. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm sure it didn't feel like that at the time. I'm sure it was like really hard. Yeah, looking you know? back, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like for my dad to go and meet someone that's from a totally different culture, doesn't speak English or yeah. anything. And to fall so, like, madly in love with each other that you want to, like, spend the rest of your life together. And then I know that there were stories of, like, um, I don't know much about the Korean culture, you know, because she hasn't been a part of my life for a long time. But um, I know that it was difficult for my dad to integrate into that and for them to accept him. And then to have her move across the world 
into mm-hmm. a whole different culture. So I'm, you know, it sounds romantic in my head, but I'm sure that it was really difficult. Yeah, I'm sure them. it was real stressful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and dealing with families and stuff. And we've done our work dealing with families and creating our own life. You know, it's kind of interesting to think about that right now. That at some point, my dad and my mom did that same thing that we've done over the last few years. You right. Know? Mm-hmm. But so he was in the army. I was born in Fort Bragg um, in 1982. Mm. Good year. So it's a good year. I've always liked that year. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so it was my my story just turned it just turned sad like right away. <laughs> that's I think okay. that that's what's so hard about you know and kind of why I wanted to be able to to put it out here right now because it's it doesn't feel hard to go into it but sometimes I I wonder if it's like annoying to people that Hmm. you know because it it is a lot of my childhood is a lot of sadness Hmm. you know and and I've worked through a lot of it I feel good in my body about about it but and and it's difficult for me too you know so um but my mom was diagnosed with schizophrenia. So my mom, my birth mom from South Korea was diagnosed with schizophrenia when I was two years old. And that was a lot. Yeah. You know, that was a lot for my dad to have to handle having two young kids. So it's me and, and my brother is a year and a half younger than me. So he was born, mm-hmm. I assume, you know, around that time. And um, so she was schizophrenic um, and like a, a debilitating type of schizophrenia. She wasn't able to function mm-hmm. well in life and in jobs. And so my dad was constantly getting calls away from his work to go and rescue her at places that she shouldn't have been in. And mm-hmm. so she has a really kind of tragic story after leaving South Korea and coming here. Yeah. And that's kind of what I was like birthed into mm-hmm. a little bit. You know, once I, because I, I think it's like when you hit three years old, that's when you start remembering things. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so it's just like, it just starts right away mm-hmm. for me that it's, life is hard. Yeah. You're born into like the craziness of life. Yeah. And it's tragic and sad and there's tons of disconnection and separation, you know, yeah. to, to have your mom not be able to be there. Right. Present. Right. You know, she's mm-hmm. in her own mental space jungle, yeah. you know? And then, um, when it was a few years after that she was diagnosed with bone cancer, mm-hmm. which she eventually died from when I was seven. Mm-hmm. So that was, you know, I I experienced some of the schizophrenia, and I have memories of that portion, but the real heartbreak for me was watching her die. Mm-hmm. And that was extremely difficult yeah. as a little kid to yeah at seven years old you know and then when you have your own kids and you start to see them Hit to these hit, hitting these ages where you know when i i remember when i saw abby my oldest at seven years old and made the connection that that's how old i was that's yeah. how little yeah. i was actually yeah. you know not old that's how mm-hmm. little this little precious girl just like lost everything mm-hmm. you know and so, and that was really hard because with, with bone cancer, it just eats away at your body. So yeah. do you, do you have memories of your mom? Yeah, you do. I, I have a lot of what I remember of my mom are, are kind of stories from my dad, mm-hmm. but I, I do have memories and they're not great memories. You really? know, I don't really have fond memories of being held and being taken care of. It's like secret affairs, you know, and, Mm. um, 
I remember her apartment and her having a hospital bed in the apartment and then eventually she couldn't leave the hospital bed mm-hmm. in the apartment and me being alone with her mm-hmm. and at seven years old and her needing stuff from me that I couldn't provide for her, mm-hmm. you know, like even just simple things like, you know, at some point it, her body just got so frail that she couldn't move it on her own. And so even just like uncrossing her legs, her asking me to do that. And as soon as I touch her, her body just in so much pain, yeah. you know? And so then as like a little kid. Yeah. You can't really like express yourself fully. So you kind of have to shrink back and just watch. Yeah. Almost. And that's what I feel like a lot of my childhood was just me watching, hmm. just me watching everything that and, and absorbing everything mm-hmm. that's happening. So, um, and, and I remember like when she decided to, to leave our family home and get her own apartment. I remember that leaving. So Mm -hmm. that's a kind of marked memory. I remember seeing the ambulance drive away with her body and that being Hmm. the last time me seeing her, you know? So it's like just these constant memories of mom separateness. Yeah. Leaving. Yeah. You know, and, and that creates kind of a, I mean, it creates your worldview of, Everyone's going to leave yeah. at some point. I'm going to lose know? everyone. I'm going to lose everyone. Mm-hmm. It's and interesting it's- that you like experience so much with your family right at the get-go. Yeah. Um, because I think like knowing you now and like seeing like your astrology and all that stuff and how like your path is kind of like the wounded healer where you go through family trauma and you come out the other side and help people with that kind of Experi- stuff. Yeah. But it's just interesting how early it started for you. It, it started like, so early. Yeah. yeah. The path was like... <laughs> You are set. on it. Yeah, it was set. But this yeah. is, yeah, it was, it's almost like if there is a universe and it wants you to know something, like for, for me, it wanted me to know this is your karmic knot. This is where this lifetime, if that's a thing, you know, this is where you're headed. Yeah. Is to undo some like family safety, being safe in this world. Right. You know, finding your space. Right. In the midst of all this chaos. Yeah. Can you be the separate Lisa and can you find your way to the front of yourself? Yeah. Mm-hmm. With all of this stuff going on. Yeah. What a know? trek. Yeah. Hmm. And so, um, so she died when I was seven and then within a year, my dad remarried mm-hmm. to another woman who, if, if I remember right, I'm pretty sure, <laughs> you know, it's, it's like such a long time, yeah, you know, yeah. that these things go. And, um, but I'm, she was, she had just experienced the loss of her spouse. And then my dad had just lost my mom mm-hmm. and they found each other, I think in church or something like yeah. that, because my mom had, had asked my dad to take us to church okay. after she, after she leaves. That was really That was like her the thing that she wanted him to do, mm-hmm. you know, she had become a Christian right before she died. Okay. A dedicated Christian. She found this group of really amazing Korean Christian women mm-hmm. that she kind of found a home with and some safety mm-hmm. at the end of her journey. It's so, good to know. Yeah. She, I think she had like, I think her schizophrenia had calmed a little calmed bit. Calmed down. Mm-hmm. I re- even remember people saying that she was healed from it. I, I don't remember, you mm-hmm. know? And then found her Christian faith, and so I think she she passed with some ease, mm-hmm. you know, in in the middle of all of that. Mm-hmm. So she handed the gift over of spirituality, and then you, here you go heading into yeah this next marriage. Yeah, the next phase of family. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that was an issue that I kind of had to deal with when I was older, and and in therapy was my anger towards my birth mom because she left me, and then she left me into a shit ton more of chaos. Mm, <laughs> like it yeah. didn't get. It didn't get better. Mm. So, um, 
my dad remarried within a year and it was just, you know, it's hard to be alone. And then you find someone that understands what you're going through. So you join and you get bonded, right? you know, and it, and it's a bond that is formed out of some kind of the same thing that I was talking about is like, people are going to leave. And so you do whatever it takes to, to keep that together, even if it's not good. Yeah. Trauma bonds. Yeah. Yeah. You like really hold tight because it's the only safety you have. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, um, he got married to my step, my first stepmom, and she had a, two sons and a daughter, a son okay. and a daughter that she lived with. And so it was our families blending together mm-hmm. in the middle of, you know, heartache. Yeah, already, yeah. Already, You're grieving. Yeah, mm-hmm. already grieving. And it wasn't that much time that had passed. And um, that whole marriage was a shit show. Mm. <laughs> it was just <laughs> like, that whole marriage was just constant chaos constant um verbal abuse you know no one knew how to communicate Mm. and so everything was kind of very explosive yeah everyone already wounded yeah thrown into like kind of a battle yeah and and when we think about the therapy that we've done Mm -hmm. to undo this stuff because of the the small things that were kind of coming up and the and in that situation, there's like no therapy, no help from the outside. Right. And this idea of, you know, being in church and needing to present a certain picture mm-hmm. to people. And so you just keep everything stuffed inside of yep. what's going on. You don't talk to anybody about it. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. But um, during that time, um, they separated a lot. They would <clears throat> separate, move to totally different houses. Like we would move out. Of okay. her home. Mm-hmm. She had a... she. I think she always had the home. Okay. She was always the one that provided that. And for me, that was... There's some rest and relief. When you were there. Yeah. And yeah. we had this really nice house. Yeah. You know, and, and it felt like we had money. Mm. And there was <clears throat> that feeling of safety and security in that respect. But when it came to relationships, it was extremely volatile. So... Yeah. You never knew when a fight was going to spark yeah. and come up. Yeah, safety is not really safety if it's, like, explosive. Like, right. You're kind of, like, walking on landmines mm-hmm. as your safety. <laughs> yeah, it's a false. It's, yeah. it's kind of like the, what the world tells us is safe. will provide you safety. Mm-hmm. But it can go away, like, like just like everything. It can go away like that, yeah. you know? But, um, so there was a lot of... You just never knew what was going to happen. And so a lot of feeling unsafe in my body and and you could almost like feel when the tide was starting to change you know Mm -hmm. so I got really good at reading people reading like the energy of a room reading the mood of a room when you walk in and oh (laughs) I don't want to be here you know you're the watcher yeah and so I would just uh retreat and kind of wait whenever the mood started shifting like that I would just go off and figure out something to do to distract myself until my dad would come in and say, all right, Lisa, it's time to get in the truck. Let's go. Yeah. You know, and it was like kind of like what you see in movie scenes of like hearing yelling through the walls Hmm. and then it coming and the fight coming closer and closer and closer. So just imagining a little kid having to like gear up for what's about to to happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would imagine, like, you'd create your own worlds. You'd try to figure out how to, like, be in, like, your imagination. Yeah. Try to shield music or whatever it would be to kind of just, like, build this little safe haven in your room. And then, like, yeah. you could just sense the 
Yeah, the, the storm coming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just bracing for it. Um, and it was during that time that uh, I was, um, I was sexually abused by my stepbrother. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's like a super weird thing to to talk about. I didn't tell anyone about that until. I I didn't tell anyone in my family about that until I was about 17 years old and okay. it, and it happened when I was around 9, I okay. think 9 or 10. Mm-hmm. But and it happened a couple times and this was this is kind of a picture of what the way that I kind of learned to live my life was the way that it happened was he he snuck into my room late at night and I just like pretended like I was asleep as he touched me, you yeah. know. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry if this is like super you know, yeah. <laughs> graphic or whatever. But I think a lot of people experience this kind of stuff right. and they don't feel like they can talk about right. it, you know, mm-hmm. but this is what happened, yeah. you know, like this, this, this is happened story. and this happens to a lot of people, you mm-hmm. know, and, but that's kind of the way that I learned to live my life is just kind of just be real still mm-hmm. until it's over, whatever the thing is, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. until, until you can, you can kind of peek your head out. Yeah. You know? Hold, while holding everybody's crazy stories. Yeah. You know. And like, everyone's secrets, you yeah. know. Mm-hmm. And, and like, I remember just another story to kind of, it, that embodies, like, what this time was like. They would, there was this one time that um, I could feel the storm coming. You know, it was about to happen. And usually my dad would pop in the door and say, Lisa, it's time to go. But this time my mom popped, my stepmom popped in. And she's like, Lisa, if you go with your dad this time, I'm going to call the cops on him and he's going to get arrested. Right. And um, just that feeling of being in the middle, because that's another theme of my life, is being in the middle of adults and not knowing what to do. Yeah. You know? I mean, what a thing to hand a little kid. Yeah. It's like, hey, your dad's leaving if you go. I mean, what a thing to put on a kid. Like, right. And she was just trying to punish him, you know, for right. hurting her. Right. For, for having whatever you it hold had. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I chose to stay with her that time because I was protecting my dad. And I remember when he came in, he was like, it felt like he was just stunned. Like, what is happening? Why are you, you know, what's Why would going you on? Her? Yeah, and he yeah. let he let me do it. You know, mm. he didn't force me out of the house. And I stayed with her. It felt like forever, mm. you know, forever, just like holding that space. Yeah, protecting of, your dad. Yeah, and not knowing what he was doing or when he was coming back or right. you know. It could have been two days. I have no idea. Yeah. You know, it felt like two weeks. That's mm-hmm. that's the time that I have in my head, you know? Yeah. But, um, so, and, and her showing up to my school and pulling me into the bathroom and talking about my dad and stuff. It was just like a... It was a lot. Verbal, physical, you know, their, their fights were physical with each other on both, you know. What I remember is her being really physical and my dad trying to, like, you know... Okay, calm. Keep it, yeah. yeah mm-hmm. You know? So, anyways... A lot of stuff yeah. in that. And so I have had to unpack a lot of mm-hmm. stuff there. You so know? it was your, kind of your second family setting. A second family, yeah. And then finally, they got divorced. And okay. I I remember feeling like, oh my God, thank God. Yeah. Thank God, you know. Because you didn't get along with the kids either. I mean, not I, only were no. you sexually abused, but I, think the, I remember you talking about there's like a lot of other trauma just in having all of a sudden these brothers and sisters that don't even know. Yeah, the brother was a a much older brother, and he didn't treat my brother well either. He was very abusive. Right. Because he's dealing with his own trauma and not getting any help, you know? Right. And so that's the thing is, like, all of these characters in my story are doing the very best that they can, you know? Living in a world of trauma. Yeah. Everybody is. Yeah. The hard part about that, though, is, like, 
I, I feel like for most of my life, I've seen that. I knew that. I already knew that everyone's doing the best that they can because I could see everything. Mm-hmm. I could see all of the trauma that they're going, even though I didn't have language for it. Mm. It's like I could see it's why it's so hard. You mm-hmm. know, so I, I grew up with compassion for everyone. That's why I never told on anyone, you yeah. know, is because mm-hmm. like, I don't want to get you in trouble because I know you're dealing with a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. But a lot of my work has been allowing myself to be angry about that stuff, knowing that everyone was doing their best. But it did impact me, and it and it hurt me. Right. A lot of the stuff hurt me. My mom dying hurt me. Right. My my dad choosing to keep going back into that marriage when it was just awful for everyone. Yeah, hurt me. Yeah, you know, I didn't feel like I was important or chosen or anything like that. You right. know, you're so long for the ride. Yeah, and so my, a lot of my work has been to accept all parts of me and accept all parts of other people too. You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. so um, that and that's I I did a talk today, like I presented a talk today yeah. um, on the peacemaker, and so this is yeah for a, a lo- place called East Lake, which we are a big part of. Yeah, uh, right. so you can find that talk on eastlakecc.com. It's about the Enneagram and being a Type Nine peacemaker, which yeah. you can hear it all through this story of just like her. <laughs> keeping the peace for everybody uh, except for herself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the, and this is like the stuff that you can't fit in a 20-minute talk when yeah. you're trying to do other things, you yeah. know, so that I really appreciated being able to come on here and kind of talk about it, too. Yeah. But, yeah, you can kind of see how this is formed. it starts shaping who you are when you're this little kid seeing this is the way that the world works and you're yeah. really not safe in it. Yeah. And you're never guaranteed that a person's going to stay in your life. Right. You know, because even, even when my stepmom, when they got divorced, remember, like, talking about the safety and security of having money and a home and a family. Right. You know, and right. having a mom. Sometimes it's, like, it's just better to have all of that stuff and right. deal with all the shit. Right. Yeah. But, it's hard to let go of even the bad picture because it's still mm-hmm. a sense of safety. So you still feel like... This, if this is all I have, this is what's safe. Yeah, mm. yeah. And so they got divorced, and there was a lot of relief there. It was back to me and my dad and my brother, which had always felt the safest for me. Okay. You know, mm-hmm. other characters kind of come and go, but at least us three, it was kind of really like, it felt like us three against the world, even in that first, that second marriage. Right. You know, w- we would always retreat with each other Mm -hmm. you know and so then within a year of that divorce my um my dad remarried to my current mom now and it's by far the best relationship yeah you know she's the sweetest most caring giving person ever and she came into our family hoping she could help us yeah totally i mean what a family to enter yeah really unknowing of like i mean you kind of know the stories this is what they've been through but not really knowing the full background of the trauma and how everybody's holding it because no one understands it yeah no one understands how it works we didn't understand it yeah yeah and um there's also another piece i was i had another um like inappropriate sexual thing happen during that time that I don't really talk about very much now, but that was kind of formative too, because that was like around when I was like 12 years old. And so becoming a teenager and then having to deal with that and then a new mom coming. And Mm -hmm. I remember the same relief. Oh man, someone who's going to provide more money for us. She's going to provide a house for us. But then 
you know, a lot of these things are starting to really plant in now that my dad and my brother are my safety and security. Right. And now there's this woman, even though I have these mixed feelings of like feeling relief about it, but then also, um, she's coming in and taking time away from me and my dad. Yeah. And my dad's the only safe person in the world to me. Right. You know? Right. And this personality starts to get built on yeah. these, this foundation. So this personality that she's meeting, this mom's meeting is like one full of like, God, I wish this was safe. And it, I want to keep you away yeah. in a lot of ways. It's really confusing. Yeah. yeah. And so that marriage had its own um, challenges because my brother and I are entering into being teenagers now. Yeah. You know? And here we go. Here, Yeah. <laughs> and my mom, she's a very smart, driven person. And knows so she's just so smart you know so she actually knows a lot of the right ways that we should be doing a lot of stuff but she's coming into a household that is already established what the rules are right you know Mm -hmm. and so it's just really challenging and as a teenager accepting another adult person when i kind of felt like i was an adult Mm, yeah you know like i had experienced enough i had experienced lifetimes worth of life yeah you know in such a young age yeah mm-hmm. and so i kind of can you start yours over oh sure sorry we had a little snafu on lisa's instagram uh her live shut down so we're just gonna start it over real quick you know my life's been doing that yeah that's how it goes sometimes yeah it's all right just Thanks roll for with it being with us still <laughs> and uh we'll just keep going yeah so okay so new mom comes into it mm-hmm. the picture and uh yeah let's yeah, go yeah so um those teenage years were kind of interesting because it's like I was starting to see myself as an adult now, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think some of that stuff is starting to kind of bubble up. Yeah. You know, like it's start, it's starting to, but I'm so scared of it. I don't want to see it. I don't want to talk to anybody about it because Mm -hmm. I kind of prop myself up and, and pat and smooth all these places down. And I was in a Christian church you know, many Christian churches at that time. And that was kind of the thing is like, you're not open about what's really going on in your home. You show up to church to offer yourself some relief, Mm -hmm. you know, and almost like it feels like, and be around normal people, you know, be around people who aren't struggling and, Mm -hmm. and, and that's its own conflict. Well, everything like that church you walk into, everyone has an expectation of everybody should be at peace. Everybody yeah. should be saved. So everybody should be experiencing some kind of joy, you know? Mm-hmm. So for you to walk in as this broken human being and be told that you should be whole now and yeah. you shouldn't have all this pain, but it's brewing inside you, it had to be like super confusing. Yeah, totally. And that's, that's kind of what the whole childhood thing is just a constant war mm-hmm. inside myself, mm-hmm. you know, and a constant war outside. It's just like, Mm-hmm. all over all over you know and and writing that talk about being a peacemaker it's like I want peace so bad yeah you know and so what what that does is it shapes me into a person that just makes space for I don't I don't know just a, a, a container mm-hmm. I just become a container for all of this chaos right you know and this is the way that I that it's almost like it kind of taught me acceptance in a way. Like it kind of taught me that there must be a way to have peace in the middle of all of this, mm-hmm. you know, an underlying understanding that, that I had. I just wasn't sure what that meant or how yeah, I you mean, could do that. At the young age, you're at, you're unawaring, unawaringly, 
that works. Is it? Sure. Anyway, you, you don't know that you're being a peacemaker because that's actually what you do still, but mm-hmm. you're aware of the gift. You don't offer it unknowingly. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, because when you meet with like life coaching clients and stuff like that, like you're, you're providing the space for oh, them yeah. to be fully them without judgment. Where when you were a kid, you formed this gift. I mean, it was actually a gift that's Th- come this is to what's now. Com- yeah. Uh-huh. But back then it was like a very tumultuous gift to shape and to yeah i mean it's like a lot to see uncovered yeah but it's cool to see this picture of you now able to still use the same gift yeah that was a yeah. kind of a curse back then oh yeah uh but anyway but it felt suffocating yeah and, and you'll hear that in my talk too that i felt suffocated most of my life trying to hold in all of these worlds like yep what made my dad feel safe and secure in our relationship and giving him that mm-hmm. even you like when you come into the picture yep. I've learned how to do that you know so whatever you need yeah. uh, I'll provide that for you because I can't handle you leaving me yeah. and I had no idea that that was what's going on you right. know yeah. but that's the underlying motivation for the peacemaker is to to not be separated and to not be fragmented mm-hmm. and so you do whatever it takes yep. to avoid conflict anything that could possibly disrupt right the ecosystem yep. that, that you've got set up you mm-hmm. know or someone else's ecosystem that they've got set up you know so you're containing that for everyone yeah and um so how old are we now well let's teenage years teenage years were a little bit i mean you got to get out of the you house just, so you yeah broke free in a lot of ways of having yeah. to i think i i can see moments when i start to like individualize and kind of even as a nine the you have wings, and so the challenger, the eight, the Enneagram type eight coming out when I kind of started, I was going to a private Christian school, and I was like, you guys you guys are actually not doing what you're talking about. Yeah. You know, they, the way that they treated some people, I was like... Started to see it. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. You know, right. And then all of these, I had been like a straight A student, a perfect attendance yeah. up until high school. And then I just started like losing my motivation to be in the system. And I'm mm. like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm not going to college. I'm going to go be a missionary. I'm mm-hmm. going to go help people. You would have said frick it back then. Yeah, totally. But... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Probably not even that. <laughs> but um, so I, I decide that I'm not going to go to college. I'm going to mm-hmm. go to YWAM. I'm going to go to Youth, youth for the Mission. mission. Yeah. And um, and that that's kind of where the like rebel Christians go, you know, like when you're the misfits, the misfits go, they go to YWAM to kind of like become a missionary yeah. to travel the world to, and, like, and bring back the good news to your your people at home that are kind of stuck in. You know, that's what it felt like. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. It's, it's Christianity's version of the of the what is it called? Uh, the hero's journey. Yeah. Like you're, these young people go away and they come back with the truth. And yeah. They kind mm-hmm. of like rev up the church with the new truth. Totally. You know? That's that's what it felt like for sure. Yeah. So YWAM. So YWAM. And then I met you there. Yeah. Maybe I could do a little bit of this. Okay. Sure. So I see this band of girls mostly probably. Yeah. <laughs> I was like that's the why seven- you were paying attention. Yeah. <laughs> I was a 17 year old kid uh, on staff at YWAM. Um, always falling in love with girls because there were so many girls my age that had the same calling and that's what I was looking for. Um, so this band pulls up, Lisa gets out and, uh, I'm just like right away like, oh shit, I gotta go help this girl get into her dorm room. So I like, I go and I pick up her guitar and I pick up her stuff and I'm like, hey, do you mind if I carry your stuff into your room? And like, while this is happening, this is like the the fireworks going off of like, holy shit. 
something's about to happen. Yeah, totally. What was, your, what was that for you? Um, I just remember being like, oh my god, this really cute guy wants to like talk to me. Yeah, bleach blonde hair, yeah. sideburns. <laughs> yeah, big, big baggy pants, yeah. right? Skater not, pants. Not quite Jinkos, but... <laughs> pretty close. Pretty close. It was a little after the Jinko. They might have been bigger. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, I just remember, because I, I had never been a, a person that was like super intrigued by someone's like look like the initial thing and I thought you were hot like I I was like this guy is very attractive Mm. and he wants to talk to me so and I I remember that um that first weekend um we were at some kind of worship night night or whatever and I felt like God told me Mm -hmm. which is so crazy yeah so weird because it happened but um (laughs) I felt like we we were sitting there worshiping and singing music, you know, and, uh, I just felt this like prompt that it was like God saying, you're the person that you're with right now. Cause I had gone to kind of run away <laughs> from everything, I think. Yeah. And, um, so I told this guy, we can't talk until I get back, you know, and Her so, old boyfriend. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it's not him. That was the, the voice was saying, it's not him. You're going to marry Dave. Mm-hmm. And I was like... This is coming from someone who doesn't believe in God anymore. Yeah. Just make sure you know that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> that happens later in the story. We'll get to that. Yeah. But so when she says, it's like, I don't but, know why the voice of God <laughs> yeah, says this. Totally, yeah. <laughs> but it was like, it felt very clear. It came through your body. Yeah. It yeah, was, it was, it was like a knowing. Mm-hmm. That's how I would describe it now, if something like that happens. Mm-hmm. And we weren't allowed to date, Mm-mm. so we were rebels. Not allowed to touch each other. Yep, not, not allowed, allowed to, hang to like each other. Not allowed to hang out alone. Uh-uh. But we would do it anyway. We didn't date. We didn't kiss. We held hands on a plane uh, going away from each other. I was going to Australia. She was going to New Zealand. We held hands on the hands way to on a LA plane. or something like yeah, that. Yeah, we also did hand massages in a... <laughs> uh, under blankets. Under blankets in a bus. Yeah. And I got in super big trouble for that from my leaders. Yeah. Uh, so we were kind of like... The Christian rebel story. <laughs> we didn't even kiss. We didn't, we didn't even kiss. <laughs> but we were like, we got. I got in a lot of trouble. Yeah. But, so, we end up, like, falling in love and through, throughout that time becoming really good friends. Dated long distance for a while, then we got married. Mm-hmm. Moved um, and lived in Montana at, at YWAM for a little bit. And then, you know... We'll skip forward yeah, skip a forward. little bit because it was just kind of like... Married life. Married life, getting to know each other. There not were, knowing about our trauma. Not knowing yeah. anything was wrong with us. Just Mm-mm. kind of having these stories inside of us. Yeah, and I think we just got along really well. Yeah. So everything's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, things would pop up here and there, but the idea was that you get married, you become one. Right. And luckily, we liked a lot of the same stuff and we we're pretty easygoing. So yeah. we just kind of like coasted through right. the first bits of our marriage. Yeah. I would say something formative though was uh your parents weren't necessarily excited about the marriage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, not about me moving away forever. Yeah. That was that was the thing cuz I think if if you would have lived in North Carolina, right. it would have been celebration. Right. So the, but that was kind of the haunting thing on top of our like really great beautiful beginning was like this there wasn't a lot of peace. When it, came to uh, when it came to us living old world, a, new world, right. and that's what I talk about in my talk is like this, this war between the person that I was and what I provided everyone, mm-hmm. you know, in my family mm-hmm. and who they knew, and then when I left and you leave for years, you right. become you start to become who you really want to be, right. you know, or 
I don't know, you, you, you just don't get to, like, keep that in touch anymore, and so you start changing. Mm-hmm. But then there's this, like, tearing away that's happening that really should have... The tearing away should have been happening as a teenager. Right. You know what I mean? The release. The release to become an individual, to become your own adult. Like, in best case scenario, that happens when you're in the home. And mm-hmm. then when you leave, you're free to leave and be whatever you want to be. Right. It's your life, mm-hmm. you know? And even in the home, mm-hmm. like, allowing that to happen yep. to you. But for me, because of all the trauma and not getting help and all of that stuff... It just stuck. Yeah, it was like a stretching of the bond. like, mm-hmm. And it stretched really far because her parents were in North Carolina and we were in Montana for a while. So you had to stretch it because it didn't go away. Yeah. It was there still. And then to Iowa, it's like it felt a little closer, you know? Iowa felt good. We moved to Iowa mm-hmm. at, um, after a couple, a couple years. years yeah. And uh, I was in a rock band. So we were following the dream of being rock and roll yeah. people. And so we moved to Iowa, which is the worst place in the fucking world to build a rock band. Yeah. <laughs> but we did it. An and, original uh, rock band. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, where um, do you want to go from there? Yeah. And so I think I do, I, I like that note that during that time we were doing, it felt like great. Most right. of the time we had a couple things pop up, but um, it was just this struggle and this tension between wanting to please my family in North Carolina and it's a deep, like a deep, deep thing, you know, that wanting to give them what they want. I love right. them so much. I want to give you what you want. Right. You and know? they were saying, we want you. Yeah. We want you here. here. Yeah. Why aren't you here? Yeah. And then also coming back to David and we're dreaming and wanting to plan our life. And I have things that I want. He has things that he wants and wanting to please him mm-hmm. and, and what we're trying to set up. And so what would happen is I would, when I would communicate with my family back home, it was never the full truth. Mm-hmm. You know, it was always like what I thought that they could handle. Right. And then, and probably, I mean, for sure, throwing Dave under the bus, you know, yeah, David is, you know, in this band and he's the one that makes the money. And so we're going to be moving. And, mm-hmm. you know, when it was really like what, the decision to move to Seattle was my decision. I, I was the one you, you, we were like kind of feeling our time ending in Iowa and looking at other churches to be at. Right. And when we found East Lake, right. and after that interview, I was like, we just have to go. I mean... Yeah, I was like, we shouldn't go. And Lisa mm-hmm. was like, we should go. We need to go. So we moved to Seattle. We move everywhere, honestly, <laughs> because of Lisa. We follow her pull of where we're going. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, yeah. I'm I'm really slow to move yeah. with those kind of things. But you are the puller of our... This is where we're going. Yeah. I don't know why, but we're going here. Yeah. When it's time, it's just like... We just need to go. So we pack up the bags. Oh, in there we have Abby. Oh, yeah, that's right. That was a big deal. Yeah, when I was 25 years old, I had Abby. And that was... um, Our daughter. mm Mm-hmm. At the very end of my pregnancy, she... It started getting complicated. Mm -hmm. And so that was traumatic. Right. Complicated, and there were complications with Abby. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, she had, like, her heartbeat slowed down. Like, uh, Lisa had an emergency C-section there. Um, she was in the NICU for five days because she couldn't eat. She was only four. Did you say four pounds? Nope, I didn't say that. Yeah. But yeah, four pounds. She came out four pounds. Yeah. Like, so it was like a very like, holy shit moment yeah. of like life coming to the world barely alive, it felt yeah. like. And so we were trying yeah. to fix her. <laughs> yeah. So in my talk, I kind of talk about how when you become, when I became an adult and then all of a sudden I have all of these responsibilities now, I can't just protect mm-hmm. my my parents mm-hmm. and my family 
like I'm starting to get pressure to protect my own family now. Yeah. Now I have a daughter, yeah. you know, and it's a lot to have a newborn, especially when you're having to feed her every hour and a half. Yeah. And she won't breastfeed and yeah. I'm trying to pump and give her and it's just like and that's the beginning of I think me really starting to take ownership that I have a life that I want to that I need I actually need I it's not even that I want to like I I have to be here for this life yeah you know not in North Carolina yeah not pleasing that family anymore I have a I have a family to please here right yeah and I can barely do that yeah let alone take care of my family in North Carolina yeah and all the while all is like my past is just like right right behind me all the time yeah it's just right on the edge all Mm -hmm. the time and so, so let's go to Seattle. Yeah, so we moved to Seattle, part of the East Lake, and that's amazing. Yeah, it's like so fun, so new, craziest Christians we've ever met in our lives. Yeah, <laughs> and there's like massive church, over five thousand people on a Sunday. We, I felt like fucking, we felt like we were killing it. Yeah, totally. Like life was happening. You know, we're living mm-hmm. in this new city. Yeah. Um, then. Then and it really fit. Like I felt like it just fit. We, we've never we're, we're kind of misfits yeah a little bit you know when we get when we really get down to it we can see pictures of where we just don't really fit in and so in east lake the church for the rest of us right we found our place we found mm-hmm. our home and love the pacific northwest and mm-hmm. the landscape and it just like felt like home almost immediately yep. as soon as we got here um and that was a fun ride but i do know that i was very quiet mm. you know like getting to know the staff women who are super strong and powerful and yeah. the spouses mm-hmm. of, um, and being around the staff at East Lake, a lot of strong personalities and yeah. powerful people, mm-hmm. you know? And so, but I do remember just kind of always being at an arm's length from everyone. I, I wanted to be involved, but I don't want you to know me. If you know me, you're probably not going to like me. Yeah. You're, you're probably not going to get me. You know, I, I've been through some shitty stuff, Yeah. you know? And so, but then early 30s yep that's when things just started like really rattling and yeah 2014 ish yeah around there 2012 and 2013 was when we had our miscarriages which was a big deal which was a really big deal just i think i just started seeing that like i have these like hidden beliefs about god Mm. and other people that if i am what they need from me then i'll be taken care of right you know so God, if I stay in relationship with you, if I do my devotionals, if I give you all the glory and all you know all this stuff, if I prop you up, then then I'll be safe and I won't have to experience all the stuff. Right. Which I think if I would have said that, right, I probably would I would have been like, of course not. But yeah. that was a belief mm-hmm. that was I was also, operating out of. It was also the same with your parents all, at that yeah. point. Mm-hmm. Like they couldn't only really take care of you from afar either, and yeah. didn't have the skills to do it anyway. And yeah. so when the, you felt that, yeah, and then you you're like, oh shit, not even my family can yeah. take care of me. Like on some level, I'm I'm on my own. Right. On some level, not even David can take care. Not of Not even me. David can yep. take. Yeah, and David has been the most caring person that I've known. Yep. But during that time, it was like, um, I'm alone. I was all by myself, and there was nothing inside of me. It mm. was just like empty there because I hadn't done anything to get to know myself or care for myself, mm-hmm. and so. It was just like, there was just nothing. And I, and I eventually I kind of like healed from that and was able to like get up and move on. But then after yeah. that, Eastlake, you know. Well, all, all the while, our our faith was breaking. Our fa- faith started kind of like. There. 
Yeah, and then we started like learning about like how like even the Bible didn't have everything that we needed to have to hold together. Yeah. So that started breaking. Yeah, our ideas of the Bible kind of started being like, well, maybe this isn't like the whole truth (laughs) of the world because we're starting to see things out here that don't line up with what's in here. And um, then in 2015, and just a little before, Eastlake starts really questioning our policies around LGBTQ affirmation and inclusion in the church. And, you know, and I think it's like the coolest part about that is like, we thought we were trying to accept people into our community, Mm -hmm. but just being around the LGBTQ community and how they've had, they've had to choose to accept themselves because the world has given them every reason not to, you know? So when, if they really, you know, if they're really going to live their life, they have to choose their life yep. and choose that this is a beautiful part of me, you yep. know? And so it in this, like, guise of we thought that we were trying to accept other people, we start to learn how to accept ourselves, ourselves. In, in that, you know? And see how much of ourselves we didn't accept. You started totally. to see it. You start to see all the ways that you, like, put yourself together, yeah. you know, to make it so that you don't lose connection with all these people and that you belong and all of those things. Yeah. But, so in 2015... Everything fell apart. Yeah. Everything fi- fell apart. In the physical world, too. Like, Eastlake fell apart. Like, it was, like, mm-hmm. 5,500 people. I mean, what is it now? Like, 100 people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was, like, it just shattered. Um, and then, like, waves of people were not happy with us. Yeah. Our, including our parents. I mean, family is one of them. They were the big issue. Mm-hmm. But, like, waves of these 5,500 people You're having pointing tough at us. conversations. Yeah, over and over. And the thing is, is that... I felt like we were not, you and I, were not at a place where we could argue it. No. You know, we we couldn't say, no, well, the Bible says this, so, you know, therefore, it's okay that we're doing this. Right. It was just a gut feeling that we were riding on. Mm -hmm. You know, that this is like a civil rights thing. This is like a a humanity thing. This is like, this is a person, Mm -hmm. and we're rejecting their humanness, Mm -hmm. you know? And, and and then to have it kind of like turn on us too and experience a portion, like yeah. a small portion of that rejection. Yeah, you know? a big portion. It was a big deal for me, Yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. But anyways, like I think for, for my family it was hard because we had kind of built our whole worlds around these things that we agreed on. Right. And religion and spirituality and faith and being a Christian was a huge part of it. Mm-hmm. And so when that plate just like shifted yeah you know it kind of like buckled then um we started seeing all the cracks in the actual relationship though like if this is the thing that's holding us together like right. our common thoughts yeah and our and our trauma right if, and and we don't know how to talk to each other and we don't know how to disagree yeah and still be in good standing with each other yeah that it, it just showed all this other stuff and the heartbreak of it for me was so devastating like so foundational for me that my life here fell apart to you yep. you know so as yeah, everything fell apart yeah our our faith died our relationships that we knew with our parents yeah died yeah the personality that you had built to be able to overcome the trauma died yeah there was a there was a day it died it was like done fuck you lisa i'm not I yeah. can't. I can't carry this personality anymore. Yeah. Like your body was just like, done. fuck it. Yeah. And Either I was, reinvent or let's be done. I was super depressed. Yeah. You know, like, and I'm a pretty positive, easy happy, going. easy going person. And um, this oh, this was also after Lucy was born too. Right. When it when it all started. So I'm like, 
underneath the pressure of having another newborn. Yep, it's all coming. And a and a five year old, seven year old, seven year old, seven year old, who's the age that your mom died. Yeah, so it right was in just the thick of it. The, just like the perfect storm for everything to fall apart. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, not to rush you, but we have about ten nine minutes, minutes okay. ten minutes left. So, but I mean, that's kind of the important stuff because then after that. After everything falls away, everything that I thought that I need, I yeah. must have in my life to be okay, it just falls away. Like literally like broke. Yeah. No family, no religion, no... It's just me here. Yeah, it's just <laughs> it's Lisa. Just me. And you and I, it was hard for us to connect at that time too because... because oh, you were so sad. I was sad. so sad. Yeah. And so I started going to therapy, like body work and therapy, and then went to Hoffman. And that was like the the starting of the healing was going back into my childhood yep. and reconciling those places and seeing that I am safe. Yep. You know, I lost all this stuff, but I'm okay. Yep. Look at the person that I am. Yep. You know, I'm a beautiful person and I created this beautiful family and I'm smart and strong and resilient. And you start to see all these things instead of it. You're the, the victim right. of your story. You yeah. start to see that you're the hero you're of the your hero. story. Yeah. And, and just so you know, real quick, Hoffman, we're going to be mentioning that a lot on this podcast. So, like, Hoffman is a place that we went to, and it's, like, a very intensive therapy. It's a nine-day program where you don't have a phone, you don't have anybody you know, you don't even share your name with anybody. It's just, like, this crazy experience. And this was the uh, breaking out of our old story and into our new story is is what happened to Hoffman. Yeah, yeah. So you come back from Hoffman. Kind of a different person. Totally a different person. You know, because I I was able to, to let go of that of the thought that the story was bigger than me and the story was going to catch up to me. Right. I met it face to face and dealt with it and um, was able to let that go. <clears throat> but then that's when I really, the work of becoming my own adult started happening. Mm-hmm. You know, like really choosing my life and communicating those decisions to people even though they didn't like them. And, mm-hmm. you know, that that was the beginning of me peacemaking in my life. Yeah. Of creating a world outside of me that more reflected a place that I could rest in. Right. You're using the gift for yourself rather than for everybody mm-hmm. else. That was the difference. Yeah. And a huge part is accepting. Mm-hmm. Accepting that this is the way that my parents are. Mm-hmm. And accepting right now that I can't accept that. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm not really in relationship right now. Mm-hmm. And, and knowing that might change one yeah. day, you Who know, knows? but just... I had to stop romanticizing what family was mm-hmm. and and really see it for what was happening to me. Yeah. You know, like what what was this creating in my life, keeping this in my life? And that's been kind of a foundational question all the time now. Yeah. It's like, what does the data show mm-hmm. a little bit? You know, when I do this, am I happier or am I worse? Mm-hmm. You know? And so that's kind of been the beginning of rebuilding yeah. for me. Okay, so rebuilding. So like right now... What a crazy life. Yeah. I mean, what a crazy life to live through and to get to a place in your life where it all breaks apart and you can see it all mm-hmm. and then you can choose, okay, I'm not going to act like this is a cloud over my head, but rather I'm going to act like it's an old story and I'm going to push forward. Mm-hmm. That's where you're at now. And yeah. what are you doing with your life? Yeah. Well, it was cool because right after that, I I did a yoga training, which is something that I would have never thought. The teacher training. Would, yeah. Because I had learned how to be a really good assistant mm. in, in life. And so that was my career. And yeah. I thought it would always be that. And so I started trying new things, did a Reiki course, did yoga training. And then what I've found lately is, um, was it last year? I did 
a life coaching program. And so now I'm a life coach. I quit my assistant job yep. and I'm doing life coaching full time and taking new clients yep. for anybody out there that like this story resonates with and you see a portion of yourself in this and you're detangling some of this stuff. Yep. I've been there and worked my ass off yep. to do that, you know, and to create a life that I really, really enjoy mm -hmm. right now and that I, I feel at peace with and I've learned all of these things yeah. along the way like this is this has become my super like my story has become my superpower yeah you know yeah it makes you trust your gut your yeah. gut knows the story of how you've lived and how to go forward and yeah. now you know know that yeah. and so now you're just like whatever it says I do yeah so um so life feels really good I mean it's still hard yeah there's still like we're in the middle of quarantine and all that right now and it's still difficult and sometimes hour to hour and day to day and all of that yeah but i i feel very resilient and strong and powerful yeah yeah so I that's mean, amazing yeah it's been a i mean it's been a crazy life yeah i feel like it's only gonna get crazier it's only gonna get crazier <laughs> yeah. the cool thing is is like now we've switched the foundation you know what i mean we, we, the new yeah. foundation is like curiosity the new foundation yeah. is like where are we gonna end up who knows we have nothing that tells us who we should be or how we should be forever like we're mm -hmm. changing every day yeah so right but, now you're a life coach you know how to do reiki shit you know <laughs> how to do yoga um, you are a writer. I love writing. <clears throat> yep. Now you're a podcaster. Yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, you're a poet. There's so many things that these <clears throat> gifts, these gifts have uncovered because of all of this crazy life you've lived and, yeah. and the depth of your writing and the depth of your poetry. Um, and even just the way you speak today, like the depth that you come with is just such a beautiful testimony to like yeah. your story. And I, I hope that you can see hopefully by even talking it through that what a fucking ride and like yeah. I'm so glad that we can say welcome to Lisa. Yeah. Because it's like, holy shit, what's Lisa going to do? It's almost like having a new baby in some ways. Of like, what's this baby going to do in the world? <laughs> it's like, Lisa, how old are you? I mean, you're only like really, what is it, five years old. Yeah, Since totally. you're uncovering, uh -huh. you know. Yeah. What a cool thing to go. You're only five. Yeah. And you're already all these things. Yeah. And you're already helping this many people. Yeah. Um, what's the future, you know? Yeah. It is, it is awesome. It feels great. It feels really good. Maybe we just read some... Are you good? Yeah. Okay. Maybe we just read some comments. Um, Michelle Peterson said on our Instagram Live, Thank you, Lisa. I had a similar experience and secrets with an older cousin. These things impact us so greatly. Mm-hmm. It's a similar story. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for saying that. Mm-hmm. Aaron Folds, love your courage. Um, people saying hi to us. <laughs> Is there anything you want to say that's left? Um... I think, um, I don't know. I, I feel pretty complete in, in it. You know, I, I do love helping people through this kind of stuff. Yeah. I, w I would love for people to hear that, that it's like been my greatest joy <laughs> in this last, like really cu a couple of years, actually the last three years, because even before I became a life coach, I was meeting with people and having coffees with people Starting about to speak at East Lake. Yeah. And telling my story and, yep. and writing. And it's, it's such an amazing experience to be able to sit with a whole person instead of the facade that, and the personality that they feel like they need to present mm -hmm. to people. You see them as whole is what you're yeah. saying. When you sit down with someone, you see them as whole already. I get to talk about all the stuff with them, you know, mm -hmm. and that's that's been a big thing for me is accepting all of the things inside of me. The dark yep. stuff, 
you know, the the harder emotions, the more challenging ones that are not peaceful, mm-hmm. I've started writing about. And my poetry is kind of my outlet for allowing myself to be this, like, dark and mysterious force, mm-hmm. you know, and powerful and sexy and mm-hmm. all of these things that I've tried to shut down because yeah. they seem like such disruptors, mm-hmm. you know? But just experiencing the fullness inside of me, I get really curious about the fullness inside of other people, Yeah, you know? And so um, that's what I love doing right now. So if you want to do that, mm-hmm. I'm here. Yeah. You know, like I love doing it. She's ready. I love holding space for people to be Yeah. the, the like truest expression of themselves. Yeah. That's the cool point about, or the cool part about uh, where we're at in our lives now is like, we just believe in people. Like we've seen what... Lisa came out of, mm-hmm. <laughs> Lisa came what I've came out of, and we're just like, hey, everybody, we get it. There's a shit ton of like horrible things that you've come out of, um, but we can see you. We yeah. see you, and we love you, yeah. and you're safe here. And let's what? How can we make you one year old? How can we make you two years yeah. old again? Three yeah. years old? You know what I mean? How can we bring you into this new yeah. life? And I think because we've experienced it, and we've made it through. We've made it through the things that we thought we would never survive. Right. We've made it through that. And so we can tell you that there's a way out. You can make it. You can make it. Like You can. You can make it. And it's actually, and that's why I think it's easy, it's fun to come with this levity about it because it feels like a lot when you're going through it. But we can hold the space to feel all of it and to encourage you and empower you to move forward. Awesome. I know. It is awesome. Well, there you go. Well, welcome to our podcast, you guys. Um, This is only the week one. Like, I'm so excited for you to even hear more about the gift of who Lisa is and how uh, she's just fully impacted my life. And I know that she has so much to share with all of you. So hopefully you've enjoyed our first episode. Yeah. And next week we'll be talking about David, which I'm super excited about. Yeah. The story of David. The story of David. Mm -hmm. The rock star and everything underneath. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot underneath that. Um, And yeah, like she said, we're life coaches. We can help. And uh, is that it? Yeah, I think that's it. Thanks for being here. And if you watched my talk, thank you for watching my talk. I appreciate you guys. Awesome. We'll say goodbye. Bye. How do you turn it off? (laughs) 